welcome to Project Quantum Leap Classic, where we review the classic episodes and discuss their impact on us, their modern relevance, and how they stand the test of time. These bonus episodes will only be joined by Christina and myself, Andrew, so we can keep Sydney's perspective for the new series fresh and unbiased. In this episode, we're going to revisit the Season 3 openers, The Leap Home, Parts 1 and 2. I myself, I don't remember the first episode nearly at all. I do remember some of the context uh, as I had like seen it and I was like, oh yeah, I did know this about Sam. Um, but I had very little to no memory of knowing why I knew this about Sam. And it, you know, it's probably these episodes that happened. So it was pretty cool to kind of see this from a fresh perspective. You know, it, it might as well have been a new episode to me. Um, with the weird caveat that I know some of the backstory, but not knowing why. So that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was actually you, Christina, that chose this. So, uh, why don't you go into why you wanted to choose this one for us? Yeah. So this was actually one of my favorite episodes. It's probably one of the ones I have watched the most over the years. Um, I can see why it was a good episode. (laughs) It it was a really good episode. I think there was like a simplicity to it. Like Sam back in his childhood home with his family and it's very, you know, down to earth and his he's with his family they're all together something he hasn't had in a very long time so i mean there there was that that aspect of it that it really just drew me in and kind of cemented it as one of my favorite episodes yeah and uh it, it's hard to to know for sure how i would feel revisiting this and had i remembered it a lot better um but Watching it for, like I said earlier, basically the first time, there was an interesting sort of dynamic of me discovering things that I know, um, like discovering why I know them, basically. Um, like like we had mentioned uh, in our last episode, this was on often, so I have seen most, if not all of it. I have not necessarily sought it out on my own terms over the past 15 years or 20 years. But, I, you know, I watch a lot of sci-fi content, so if it's on, I'll watch it. Um, but then, basically, coming to an episode like this, which is very personal to Sam, right? Exactly. So Extremely personal. I was able to kind of see this in the modern age and how... I don't know, it, it stands the test of time. That's basically what I want to say. <laughs> It touches on subjects that I think are very cognitive, very, I don't know, deep to think about. And watching how Sam handles that uh, is very, very good and speaks relevant, I think, to this day. um, As we all are more aware in, uh, of mental health and how we're all supposed to, you know, reflect internally. Well, Sam gets to do that literally. (laughs) in this episode, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think it was uh, kind of neat how, building on that, you know, he he's basically his 16-year-old self with the mind of his adult self. That's kind of a weird concept. It, how, like how... Yeah. <laughs> like, if I could be myself again at 14 but still have the knowledge I have now, would I do things differently? Would Would I look at things differently? You know? So it's just kind of a neat thing. I mean, we'll never experience yeah. it, but 
I, I think it's a neat concept. And I think exactly what you said, would you see or do things differently? We get that experience from Sam. He both does things differently and he does things the same. Yeah. Right? So immediately right off the bat, when he gets there, he like he immediately knew where he was. He knew he was home. And oh, then yeah. he knew what time of year it was before he even left or got up. He was in the field. He didn't even get up in the field before he like he knew what time of year it was and where he was. And we see him go home. And what, is, what does he do differently? He is immediately on top of his chores, right? He's a grown-ass man who's more <laughs> well-acquainted with responsibilities and having to do things. And, and, the, and the appreciation of his family, which is yeah. lost to him. Um, but then he does things the same, right? He, he's in the same patterns of like the girl he likes and, and uh, being all contentious about no-nos or <laughs> whatever. And, <laughs> that, and, that guy was a, <laughs> and being, that guy was a trip. Yeah, and being um, excited, not, excited is not the right word, but excitable about the this game with this rival school i can't remember the name of the school but and then that's uh, Bentleyville. yeah and so there's yeah that's i mean so early on in this episode we get to see wow he does some things the same and he does some things different and that's yeah. i think that's pretty cool um because you know humans are com complex creatures <laughs> and i think there's a lot of fiction where people get to revisit their past and it's like oh I want to do everything exactly the same or I, or actually more often than not, it's I need to change everything about what happened. And I think that yeah. discounts what makes us us, right? We are nothing yeah. but an amalgamation of everything that's happened to us. And so if you change that, will you even be the you that goes back to change that? Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like if I went back and told my younger self, hey, when you hit this age, Maybe stay away from this person or that person. Well, that person, even if they were a negative impact on me, well, it still made me who I am today. Like, what would be missing from my life now if I hadn't, you know, had that life-changing experience? Yeah. Good or bad. Exactly. Like, sure, there is that very quick gratifying concept that I'll get rid of that negative impact. But what other things, what you learn from that impact in the future protect you from other things? There exactly. could be something worse that happens to you if you don't learn from that initial negative thing, you know? Right. So I could actually, <laughs> real life example, kitties, when they're young, play with their brothers and sisters with their claws and with their teeth. And through that, they learn how not to hurt the things they care about because they know what hurts them. And when they hurt people, or not people, when they hurt their brothers and sisters, they immediately get that sort of consequence. Um, of that brother or sister lashing back out. Um, but instead of being playful, it's angry, and they learn that. My cat did not have brothers or sisters at that time because she was abandoned feral when she was very young. Um, so as a result of that, she plays very hard. Full claws, full teeth, and that's partially my fault because when she was in the stage of learning that behavior, she was a kitten. Nothing hurt, so I just encouraged it. But now I can't undo that. So, <laughs> which one is this? That's Lilu. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you never know the the cause and effect of what happens in the past and how 
how learning something negative early on could actually be positive. Yeah, exactly. Um, one other thing, well, not necessarily one other thing, but the next thing I want to talk about specifically is, again, I, we've touched on this before, how progressive or ahead of its time, whatever you want to call it, this show could tend to be. Now, I cannot specifically think of a single piece of fiction where we visit rural America with the average farm man and see that family and don't see anything but simple people. And yes, the father is a simple person, but it is so common to display how that's just the cycle, right? Right. Um, a simple father will have a simple child, a simple son, who will then take over the family business and then have a simple son. That's, that's the stereotype. This totally subverts that. Not only is Sam not a simple person, as we know him, obviously we know him as an adult, but in this show, there is that, uh, I think it was the, the doctor, the therapist guy, who right, said right. something about going to his basketball championship and we get the context that Sam was already smart because his brother chimes in and says, no, I talked him out of that. He's got the mind or he has a mind that whatever he says to say that. Yeah. So we're already being shown that a simple farm boy who has a farm life and does farm things in a small town with the only real activity that we know of is the high school basketball team can grow up to become... Sam Beckett. Yeah, and looking at that, like, even in life, a lot of these super geniuses that you hear about, the stereotype that usually gets perpetuated is, oh, well, you know, they came from money or they spent, like, hours upon hours upon hours, you know, working yeah, on... they're a self you know, they had, yeah, never had fit no, in. No life yeah. and everything. And Sam's kind of like the opposite of all those, you know, even, you know, it's a lot in television, doctors and stuff in these doctor shows. It's like, yeah, I've dedicated my whole life to just doing this one thing. And from a very young age, this is all I ever exactly. wanted. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, and and it, it does. It flip. It kind of flips that around. And it's not even just that he's the super genius, too. He's pretty multi-talented. Yeah. I mean. He he could have gone to college with a uh, a science scholarship or an athletic scholarship. Right. That's pretty cool. And then just cycling back to, but he's a simple farmer's boy in a small town. I think it's a small town. I mean, I, I don't I don't I, remember what it was. Elkridge. Yeah. I mean, it's I a, think it was pretty. Small. It's a nothing middle of America town, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> And, and the fact that there are schools outside the state that have heard of this kid and they're trying to get him to go to their school. Yeah, leaving a mark sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and now on some of the more deeper parts of this show, um, or this episode, is Sam's dilemma, right? Um, yeah. His, his personal tragedy of knowing how his family is going to turn out, right? Yeah. And that's obviously on the forefront of his mind, even though that's not what he's there to do. And he refuses to believe it. Of course, he does eventually believe it, and he goes through with it. 
right. But then, 16-year-old Sam, he lost the game because of a, a physical barrier of some sort. He didn't make the shot. Uh, he wasn't taught the shot. Wh- whatever it was, it wasn't yeah. some conscious choice. And that caused his two friends to not go to the colleges they want. They lose their scholarship. This girl marries an asshole. And then Sam is now, Sam doesn't have, I mean, he does have emotional, I'm sorry, he does have physical blockades still. He's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger can do whatever he wants physically. But that physical barrier is not what it was this time. He went back to that 16-year-old self, relived the events, but with a completely different emotional barrier of knowing if he makes this choice, he can't save his family. Yeah. And now he has to do the thing with worse outcome for himself. I think it shows how much of a self-sacrificer Sam is. He really is. And it's almost, uh, what's that thing that Spock always said? I don't know. I don't know exactly. The the um. Live long and prosper. <laughs> needs of the many. Oh yeah, versus yeah. the needs of the few. Yeah, it's it's like, yeah, he really wants to save his family, and we see him through the whole episode just trying and trying and trying, you know, to mm. get his dad to get his health on track to prevent his sister from marrying an abusive alcoholic, you know. To and the one I didn't understand was uh, his brother. Like, what did he think his brother was going to do? Yeah. Move to Canada. Yeah. But you <laughs> How know, can you not go um, when you're drafted. <laughs> right? And so, um but yeah, he's always kind of been the way where it's like, I need to do even even if he tries to fight it at first, he always winds up doing what is going to be best, usually for others. And uh, when we get onto a later episode, mm-hmm. the, the leap back in season four, we're going to see that happen all over again. Well, I'll, where he sacrifices for others, his his own personal well being, sort of thing, or exactly. emotional well being. Exactly. That's um. I there's a. Uh, I don't know. It's it's all about the characters in this show to me, and that's just an example of, of character. Um, of a very good character and and someone I don't think sadly exists in the real world, right? No, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, I think it's the most unbelievable part about the show to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's white knight complex. Because we, okay, we have people with white knight complexes in this world, but they're by far nowhere near as self-sacrificing as this guy is. Yeah. You know, um, I uh, so like I said, these were your episodes that you chose. Um, you used to have the hugest. I don't know, maybe you still do <laughs> on Scott Bakula. On Scott, huge crush on Scott Bakula, right? So, <laughs> I will always love Scott Bakula. <laughs> um, aside from the other episodes that I watched that we haven't discussed yet, it'll be on a future episode. It was no surprise to me. That he sings in all the episodes that you chose. (laughs) (laughs) I love Scott Bakula's singing voice. I don't know. There's just something about it. um, When I found the soundtrack, I bought it and I listened to it over and over. And I, I kid you not, I would get the headphones out when I was pregnant 
and put them on. Oh no, on Emily, you made you forced <laughs> Emily to listen to Scott Bakula. I did, and there's yeah, I did. Well, I also made her listen to uh, Dean Stockwell, who is not <laughs> really a singer. Yeah. Um, but he had this song where he did the ABCs like in a rap, <laughs> and so I would. <laughs> so she, yeah, she. She listened to that, too. Uh, a little off topic. has nothing to do with Quantum yeah. Leap, but uh, mom and dad bought me Cheech from Cheech and Chong. Cheech, oh, no way. Cheech, the school bus driver. Oh, my God. He did a, a children's album that, to this day, I have never met a single person outside of our family who has ever heard of it. And when I say Cheech did a children's album, they're just blown away. They're like, no, he didn't. I was like... Bitch, let me show you painting numbers or, or counting numbers. And, and um, there's a jelly bean song about mixing colors. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, the making lunches. Making lunches. Making lunches. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up because it's funny that, I, I mean, I don't know anything about this Dean Stockwell album, but if he's singing ABCs, it made me think of people yeah. that you wouldn't expect to sing for children. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, in the episode, it wasn't for children, but you know, still, I was like, well, if I put this on my belly, my kid, and you know what? Emily knew her ABCs <laughs> very early like on. at a very young age. Like, and I, that's in part to <laughs> Dean Stockwell, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, we can thank everyone. Thank Dean Stockwell for making Emily a smart individual. And um, also, we should just say, if you've heard of the Cheech children's album, Please let right. us know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should. We'll put that in a question at the bottom of the podcast. Do you know what yeah. Cheech's school bus driver is? Uh, because honestly, if you have, I want to meet you probably because no one's ever heard of it but me. Apparently, I, I could probably still sing it. <laughs> I I know I can. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to right now, but <laughs> but I definitely can. I mean, I sing like two words, but um, but on Sam singing, um. Can we talk about the ignored implications about him being the first person on the planet to sing Imagine by John Lennon? <laughs> right? And okay, honest to God, back then I was really into my Beatles phase. Mm -hmm. So Scott Bakula singing John Lennon <laughs> was just like perfect for who I was at that age. But um, yeah. yeah, like I always wondered about that. It's kind of ignored that it could have an implication, but it should. <laughs> I mean, I I know she didn't want to believe him, but once we see it, once Imagine came out, how could you not? Yeah, and we see at the end of the episode like her and her friends are using the slang he was telling her about. So could he have started the slang? Yeah, so it's like, and it's not like, um, it's not like she could have said, "Oh, well, I blocked it. It was traumatic." Yeah, because she used the slang. Because yeah, she obviously remembers. And she told other people about the slang as well. Yeah. Wouldn't she also tell people about this upcoming Beatles song? Or not Beatles yeah. song, but John Lennon song? Yeah, which makes... It makes no sense. And then it can get to this point, like how she's using the lingo, like awesome. I forget what the other one he said was. Awesome uh. and... Oh, God, what was the other It wasn't one? rad. It wasn't for a radical. Ra oh, it was rad. Okay, radical. Yeah. Um, taking those words, now, in theory, I mean, I'm not saying that we see this, but 
that could be the starting point of those words, right? But then Sam just hears those words because he's been around them. That means there's no origin to why awesome became slang. And you can use that same logic for imagine if somehow John Lennon heard of of these song lyrics because Sam Beckett sang them. So John Lennon hears them and he writes them. So Sam Beckett hears them. That means there would be literally no origin of the song Imagine. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. See, and that, that's the thing. Okay, so there's another time travel show uh, called Journeyman. It only lasted one season. It was mm-hmm. really good. The guy accidentally dropped, like, a digital camera, like, way back in the day. And when he got back to his own time, like, everything had changed. Now, that's a digital camera. Yeah. And this is a song. But, I mean, the impact could be huge. Yeah, and um, as a tech guy coming from experience with hardware and everything, I I can see how, like, it would be easy to think, like, well, but look at the camera. They see this camera, and then they they can see the future, basically, right? Yeah. But on another level, it has nothing to do with what the camera. It has to do with the fact that there's a microchip on that camera. <laughs> right? That's that's really what it is. That's what would cause that loop, not a picture, a microchip. Yeah. They're like, oh wow, we can get a whole computer in yeah. this little tiny thing. Yeah. And that years before we'd even built that knowledge to do, do that. Do you know uh, what year it is that they drop it in? I don't remember because it's been a while since I watched. The show. It's been like over ten years. That'd be, inter- since that'd be interesting to know because. I wonder if I'm the transistor was even a thing or if they were still using tubes. Because let me see. Because that would be fun. Um so while yeah, while you're while you're looking that up, um, I want to talk about the most um I think meaningful part of the show where Sam is uh, shocked. I, I think it's probably the moment where he decides I need to stop saving my family and work on the actual, what Al is telling me the problem is. Um, And I'll save my family if I can, but let me focus my attention on the the problem. Right. Sam thinks it's so unfair that there's like some cruel, what does he say, God or whoever it is that's making me do this, would send me back to my family and not save them. And Al's just like, bro, you're the only person in the world who can ever go back and see their family. That seems very fair to me. And what a um, a deep like slap to the face in the most brotherly way you can get, right? Like Al is calling him out on the shit in the most kind and like get your shit together way. And I think it speaks to their relationship a little bit. Um, it's just a I just found it a very good heartwarming interaction. Like, it, obviously, it's hard for Sam, but yeah. he has to realize that literally no one in the in the universe has ever done that before, and it's it, not it, unfair. It, I mean, it is unfair, it, but it not is. for him. Yeah, and, and that gets me too. And and Al did bring up, you know, I would give anything to be back with my father and sister. But also, I think I start. I told you about this before we started recording. Um, in like the very previous episode, Al literally tried to get Sam to save his marriage 
instead of doing the thing he was there to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sam had to make that choice. He's like, I got to save this guy's life. I'm, I'm sorry. But, you know, that's what I'm here to do. And so it's kind of like the very next leap. He's presented with an opportunity, only this time it's himself. And he kind of has to make that same, same choice. And he's able to do it. Yeah. I, okay, wait. I don't think he'd be I, able to make that decision without Aldo. He would not have made that decision, I don't think. Oh, no. He, he would have literally, he would have stayed there. And I looked up uh, Journeyman. It looks like the digital camera was dropped into 1984. Okay, so yeah, microchips existed, but not... I would almost call them mini chips at that time because they were not micro. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was from... Okay, so the original, it started in 2007, so I'm going to assume the characters were like in 2007. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a huge time gap, but it's enough to where had, if they had found a digital camera in 1984, that would change some things. That's a massive jump in the size yeah. of microcontrollers and microprocessors from 84, 84 or whatever you just said, early 80s yeah. to the late 20s. Like twenty two thousands, yeah. Yeah, that is a, it's I mean, such a significant difference. In fact, I think that's probably even a bigger impact than I was initially thinking. Because like, if they dropped it in like nineteen thirty, they wouldn't know what to do with the microchip. They'd be like, "What is this?" But in the early eighties, they would know what to do with the microchip, and we would have exactly. just handed them thirty year in the future technology that they understood. Yeah. So yeah, it would have a huge impact. More so than I had initially thought. All right. So, yeah, building on the um, the thing between Sam and Al where he was like, you know, I think it's damn fair. Mm-hmm. And he goes into that and, you know, like I said, Sam realizes at this point he's got to do what he came here to do. He's probably at the expense of, you know, losing his family all over again. But then it goes into this um, kind of montage over the holiday because he's there for Thanksgiving where he's just spending time with his family and enjoying them as he has them right now in a way he'll never be able to enjoy them again. That, Oh yeah, that's, that's a good thought. And in a way that he didn't even do back then. Exactly. Well, and if you watch the, um, well, I mean, obviously watch the episode, (laughs) but if you, the listener watch the episode, (laughs) Um, if you view from the be- you know the very beginning, he's already acting kind of like funny. You notice his parents are kind of looking at him like, "Why is he acting like he loves us?" <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with this kid? You know, so he's probably like your typical typical teenager. Yeah, he doesn't you want know, to do he, the chores or spend time at home. You know, I I always pictured Sam as kind of this good kid, and he probably was, but you know, he was still a teenager, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, he probably didn't appreciate his parents as much as he should have when he was a kid and so like it was it was a really nice little I think it was a little montage and they had the the music the I think it's called the suite from the leap home mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite things on the soundtrack it's just this really nice homey you know feeling of this music and it, it was just nice seeing him being able to have that with the people he loved and the people who he's lost in his life. Yeah. Um, building on what you just said, we see it almost as soon as the episode starts 
when he makes it to the barn after he runs out of the field and his father is not mad, but he's a little upset that Sam has been gone. He like he was supposed to be home a while ago to do the chores. Right. And you know, he's like, you know, don't don't do that again, you know, do your stuff, but come home on time. There's work that needs to be done. And Sam's just like, Okay, sir. I don't remember if that's exactly what he said, but that was the message. And his father yeah. was like Okay. <laughs> like he didn't expect that. <laughs> like so it is shown that Sam is a good kid. Yeah. But he's still a teenager. And that right. like the teenagerness is obviously not lo- no longer there in adult Sam. So just right. knowing the responsibility, like, okay, sir, I'll do my job. And then like the, the what, what, what? Like, wait, this is this yeah. my kid. And then, and then hug him. When, yeah. And then when um his sister Katie comes in and. Oh, for yeah, Tom's he room. Did, yeah. He does that little bit of, you know, big brother teasing, of course, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. obviously he's acting differently with her and she's like, what, what the hell? And then his dad's looking at him like, what is going on with my kid? What's wrong with him? Yeah, you know. Interesting. It's interesting to see. I mean, it's not. I guess interesting so much as it's something that's obvious. We would all probably act differently if we popped into our sixteen-year-old self in that situation. There are people in our life we have lost that we will be seeing again. And are we going to act the same as our 16-year-old self did if we see them again? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Um, but to see it, even though it's obvious to think about, to see it was... And to see how other people react is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I can imagine, like, if we pop back into our teenage selves, our parents would probably be like, they're getting along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something's yeah. wrong. Yeah. You and I did not get along very often. I think a lot of that was the age gap. And it's kind of the same age gap that, you know, Sam and his sister had. It's six years, but it's actually almost seven years. Yeah. It's over six and a half, so. So it's like, when I'm a teenager, no, I don't want to hang out with my 10-year-old little brother. Yeah, you're 17 and I'm 10. Yeah. Actually, no, it doesn't work that way. It was never quite seven years. You're 16 and three quarters and I'm 10. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like, you want to play with action figures? I, well, no, actually, I probably would have played with action figures um, just fine. I, you but, actually, you know. You actually, I do have one memory. You specifically what? played with my Ninja Turtles with me. I did love Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, I don't remember how old I was or how old you were, um, but I had the Technodome. Oh, that thing was so bomb. And um, I don't remember the context of it. It was in uh, the house that I spent most of my time in. I don't want to say the city, but... You know which house I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and my room was right next to Candy's. And I, I don't remember why. I don't remember the context. But I was alone in my room playing, and you came up, and you offered to play with me. <laughs> you know, I, I helped build that Technodome. Oh, yeah? Was it a Christmas present? Um, spoiler alert for anyone who has any child, I want to say under the age of 10. That was like... That wasn't long, maybe a couple years after I found out about the uh, Santa thing. Mm-hmm. So I was up and I helped mom build your Technodome because that was a Santa present. And I helped her build uh, Candy's Barbie dream house. Uh. <laughs> and we accidentally hit the button on the thing and it made like this really loud noise. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we woke everyone up. <laughs> uh, 
man, I have no idea what happened to the Technodome. I wish, like, I have a lot of my my old toys and stuff. I usually them usually use them as display pieces now. Yeah. Um, some of them are in boxes, but I have no idea what happened to my Technodome. I I never would have chosen to get rid of it. So I don't no. I don't know what happened to it. Yeah, probably got. It could have gotten busted. Maybe. It got a lot of use. Yeah, it did. Oh man, I'd always take it over to my friend's house. <laughs> he had um. Or did I have the turtle gun? Oh, we're so off topic now. <laughs> oh, I know, right? I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Did, didn't last time we we devolved into like a, this conversation on anime? I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was the introduction episode, so I guess a little more forgivable because we're just talking about us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on that note... Um, did you have any final thoughts about episode one or should we move to the second episode um, that we're talking about? Well, like, like I said, he, he made that big choice, uh, sacrificed what he wanted for his family. But what we do get is that the girl he liked did not marry no-nos. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she so, has a happier life by not having to marry no-nos. And having, you know, lunkhead children. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really the takeaway of this episode. Yes. Well, just the look on Al's face when he's like, oh, she marries no-nos and they have a couple kids and he's like, oh, and then they get divorced. Yeah. Like. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Um, I noticed, okay, was it this episode or was it this next episode we're talking about, episode two? Um, As we have said in the past, I don't know everything about Quantum Leap, right? I'm not the super fan the way you are. But Ziggy looks different, correct? Yes. Uh, I think season three was when it kind of changed. So I don't um, I don't remember what it looked like specifically in the pilot episode, but he was holding it. And to me, it resembles Tetris because it's like a bunch of semi-translucent, like colored plastic bits. Yes. In the original, like the very first couple seasons, um, it was... It almost looked like an old school calculator. Yeah, that's what I remembered. Yeah, and then it, so it gets the Tetris treatment is what I'm going to yeah. call it because that's what it that's what it evokes out of me. I want to say season three is when that changed. That makes sense. And I think that's also kind of when I know they didn't start calling Ziggy her until like consistently until later, but I think maybe in season three they kind of started sprinkling that in. I I don't remember specifically. I wasn't paying attention to the pronouns, but um, next time I watch an episode of season three, I'll have to pay attention to that. Um, so episode two then, or um, not episode two, uh, Leap Home Part Two. Which is the second episode of the season, so. Yeah, okay. You're not wrong. Um, this wasn't an episode you initially asked me to watch to speak about, um, but I continued watching it anyway because after seeing what he leaps into, I was like, oh, I, I have to. I have to watch this. Now, this episode, I did remember. Not in detail, um, but like I would be like, wow, I remember this scene. Wow, I remember this shot. So this one, I don't have the quite, quite the same effect as the first episode where it was basically a new episode to me. Um, yeah. But I do have a few, a few notes on it. I think this one gets a little more outdated, mostly because of the reporter lady. I can't remember her name. Maggie. Maggie. Um, Double check before I sound like an idiot. (laughs) 
it's not the best look in a TV show <laughs> to, to have men treat a woman like that. Um, it, it is Maggie. Maggie. Maggie Dawson. And, of course, uh, Sam leaps into Magic, who is literally the Magic Black character. <laughs> so much so that they name him Magic. Yeah, like, I don't remember if that was... It's not something I thought about back then, but then again, okay, this particular episode, when I was a kid, it wasn't my favorite, because, I don't know, I, I grew up with a lot of teachers who had served in the Vietnam War, Mr. and they Nichols. told me stories, Mr. Nichols, Mr. Jones, anybody who lives in our area is going to know exactly who we're talking yeah. about now, <laughs> but, um, so, like, I'd heard a lot of stories, and so... The setting, I wasn't, I was like, yeah, I don't really want to see about the Vietnam War. I heard about the horrors. Mm -hmm. I don't want to watch it. I, I feel like I appreciate it a little bit more now that I'm an adult. I don't know why, but. There's definitely, like, there's definitely redeeming qualities to it. I'm not, there, yeah, there I wasn't trying to say that the whole episode is problematic. No, no, There's no, just no. a lot more no. um, outdated storytelling <laughs> that yeah, we wouldn't use today. You, well, that's like you said, um. If the character had been white, would they still have called him Magic? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and maybe maybe it wasn't what they were going for, but you, it yeah. does kind of come off. Yeah, mm, that's a little not yeah. kosher. I also wonder if it was an attempt to be self-aware, because this episode was not—I mean, not this episode. This show, I I think the writers on this show were too aware of societal issues of the time even though it's not always a heavy theme on this show yeah they are they clearly show time and again that they will touch these heavy subjects in a progressive way so this feels like they were trying to call attention to it maybe in a in a very self-aware but nuanced way or Maybe satire, or maybe it was just straight up problematic. I don't know. I just well, okay, but and, and this this kind of reminds me. I don't know if you remember uh, Dad's friend Charlie. Yeah, and that's what he okay. wanted to be called. Let's just he wanted to be called Charlie. Yes. he was Vietnamese. It wasn't his name. Nope. And I actually don't know his name. I can't remember it. He's I I, rem I remember it, but I'm not going to say it. Oh, okay, but, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but um, my my dad was like. But isn't that racist? <laughs> and he's. But that's what he wanted to be called. I don't know what the history was behind when he decided he liked this or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know, was it that kind of a situation? No, yeah. they didn't really expand on it. You know, and there is there is credibility to that, right? When you when you want to take something that's supposed to be negative and own it and make it a non-issue. Yeah, I think yeah. I think. Um, I think there's definitely a, val a valid approach to that, right? Let's uh, normalize something and make it so it's it's not powerful over us anymore. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's all it was, or maybe it has something to do with absolutely nothing that has to do with anything racial. I guess we'll never well, I know. Mean, <laughs> I, they, I, we could probably did. ask Dad, but... Yeah. Well, and in this show, I mean, I know they did call him Magic because apparently he showed up in the, in the platoon and... Yeah. 
things started going their way. But well, actually, um, I was actually and if you want to look this up, it is not called magic black character. Insert the old word for black, oh, no. but not not the super negative one, but just the descriptive one. The French word for black. Let's just call it that. The French word for black, and it's called the magic that word character. I don't feel oh, comfortable saying it, so no. I'm not going to say it. Um, but that's what it's called. And part of the description of that is that they show up separate from the rest of the crew. Or not, they don't use the word crew. They, sep- they show up separate from the rest of the characters in a situation. They're always a minority. They're not necessarily black, but they're a minority um, or disabled. There is some sort of like thing about them that makes them basically not the main character. And they show up and they they have an aura, a sixth sense aura of things that they know things or they can fix things just by being who they are. So like this is now that I've actually said this out loud and it wasn't only just thoughts I had before we went into the episode, they absolutely knew what they were doing. I actually leaned towards the fact that it was self-aware and they were trying to be like, look at this. Just knowing how yeah. a lot of the rest of the show is. So, I mean, I think that could still be considered problematic. Um, I, but I mean, I, I really like the character. Uh, yeah, he's a great character. He's a great character. And like I said, I'm really jazzed that he's going to be in the new episode. But yeah, the way it's presented, now that you're saying all this, it, it's kind of problematic. And um, like one of my favorite movies... The Matrix has two magic black characters. <laughs> the Morpheus, the Morpheus, Morpheus, and Oracle. Oh. And um, it's not that it can't be done well, I think, but they really were like, look, we have a magic black character. See, it's magic. He's black. He's a character. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. I'm seeing this episode in a whole new light yeah. now. <laughs> like, I, but, okay... I never thought about that growing up. Uh, I had taken a course um, in like film or writing. I don't remember what it was exactly. Um, and in one of the one of the classes we we had talked about the subject. So it was definitely like it's something I've been more aware of. And so when I saw this, yeah. I was like, wow, is this literally? They took the the description of the character and they actually made it the name. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but. But also, got to put yourself in that early 90s time set. They probably thought they were being progressive. That's my honest opinion. I don't yeah. know these writers. And is it the right way to go about doing it? No. But... but they, they were probably also like, oh, you know, it was the 70s, of course, or 60s and 70s. Yeah. Of course it's, it's going to be like this. Yeah. And, and I know they, they did this in a few episodes where they would, you know, do or say things that were quote-unquote, acceptable in that time and age, but not even acceptable in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. when the show was being made, but, I mean, they did have to be authentic to the time period. Yeah, and I think that's something that we should all be honest about. Shit happened that's disgusting. Exactly. Should we erase it? Absolutely not. But we can also be very selective and careful about how we approach it. Exactly. Um, we don't. Because, go ahead. Yeah, because honestly, 
if we just hide it and erase it, it's just going to happen what's again. Happen exactly. And you know, while we're on this this whole soapbox, we we don't need that to happen again. We don't yeah. need. I mean, God, it, it's 2022. Why are we still arguing about this stuff? You know, <laughs> you got just me. everyone. Why can't we all just live and not care what our neighbor is doing or what they look like? Right? <laughs> are they hurting anyone? That's the only no. thing I care about. Yeah, that is all I care about. Like, as long as you're not hurting anyone, you be who you are, and we are fine. Now, um, since we are on the soapbox of potentially problematic things, Maggie, the reporter of the episode, which you just told me was Maggie. I only remembered yeah. reporter. Yeah. <laughs> but clearly, this is an early 90s at this point. I think it's the 90s <laughs> when they made this at this point, right? Season yeah, 3? Yeah, season 3, they're in the 90s. Made in the 90s, representing the 70s. And there's a woman in a war zone. So, if you haven't seen this episode, you can imagine how all the men treat her. It's not they a good look. Wanna, yeah. yeah. It's not they a good look. Bang her. Yep. They're all very crass around her. Um, the interesting thing is that she leans into it. She she owns it. And I think there is I don't know, a little bit of discussion to be had there. Um, do you think it was genuine? Is that really what she's like? And does that even make it okay at that point? If she's going to be one of the guys and encourage that sort of behavior, which we see her do, is it okay? I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I, I can actually speak from experience on this one. That's true. Because, I mean, even now I work in a male-dominated, dominated, you know, field yeah but in the military you lived with these guys you worked with these guys you you know went out to the field for x amount of days at a time with these guys and it got to the point i mean it got to the point where people would be all oh yeah she's just one of the guys and i would be right there with them making the jokes making the you know because if i didn't i would be treated differently you know? Mm -hmm. So was some of it genuine? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes guys are, you know, the crass rude humor is hilarious. Other times it was like, I wasn't very comfortable. It wasn't genuine, but I did it to kind of fit in and kind of stay in that mode to where I could continue just being one of the guys and not being looked at too differently. With that perspective, I think this episode could have been a lot better had they showed that sort of feeling at some point in time. Because they don't ever really show that. We just show that that's no. how she is. Like, oh, one of the guys. And there, there are absolutely some people like that. You know, that's true, I guess. Um, so I guess this is just really open for debate and personal interpretation. Um, but just be aware, if you're going to watch it, it's a thing. Um, very uh, sexual harassment. These days, you would definitely uh, yeah. <laughs> get in trouble for that. Yeah, and, um, you know, she's she's also the one that initiates it, too, a couple times. Yeah. Um, she kind of uses it to get her way sometimes. Yeah. Which, you know what? In that day and age, though, if she hadn't, would she would get anywhere? even listen to her? Yeah, exactly. So she, I think she did what she had to do to get what she wanted. I think this borders... I think it's still, a lot of it is in poor taste, but I think it's bordering 
and early 1990s trying to bring yeah. light. I don't think they hit the nail on the head, but it's getting there. It, it was an attempt. It was it was a solid attempt. Um, do you think she needed to die? What it, what in the story did it serve? You know, I think the only thing it really did was make Sam feel guilty. And I don't think there was any need for that. I, uh, I, I was struggling with that myself because there could be importance, but it's never visited. They don't ever explore. It, it is. It's just guilt. They don't. And I think but he it could have been a lesson. Exactly. He even says like a life for a life or I traded. Yeah. You know, and. And Al was like, I mean, how could he have seen that was going to happen? Exactly. You know, I mean, well, technically, shouldn't have Al, Al have seen it? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, mm. well, we did know that she died. He said she no. still dies, right? No, originally, she wasn't on the mission, I don't think. Oh, but Sam got her on the mission. That's right. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I'm, I'm mixing it up with a different episode. The, the other episode you asked me to watch. She, yeah. the character there wasn't going to die, but then he causes it to be in the future that she, yeah. Died. And then he has yeah. to, so, yeah, you're right. Maybe so, it yeah. just like in the context of how it happened, mm -hmm. maybe it just hadn't caught up to, for, to Al say, Hey, you know what? If you let her go, she's going to croak. That may not have, I mean, it's Vietnam. Yeah. You, there, there's still a lot of records and everything that's just lost to time there things lost in the in the marshes or the bogs i'm not yeah. sure what they're what the specific herbal herbological word is well, but the the very wetlands yeah i even think um there was something about the date of tom his brother dying that was kind of off oh yeah i think i kind of remember that yeah like we was, knew the day was, but that's it right yeah yeah and, and we didn't know anything about the mission either Exactly. Because they Al, were SEALs. Yeah, Al just knew there's a mission. I have no idea what, what they're doing, where yeah. they're going, why they're doing it. There's a mission, and it fails. Exactly. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And and honestly, I don't know how much they've released now on the stuff in Vietnam, but any kind of SEAL mission or top secret Green Beret Special Forces kind of stuff. They're only going to release those things if there's a specific reason. Yeah. Or someone hacks. <laughs> right? WikiLeaks. Yeah. Is that even a thing still? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, w I was actually, I was looking at my notes on the episode, and I actually think I just changed my mind. Um, my next line of notes, I had, I had been, I had the feelings of they don't really touch on the horrors of Nam. It's shown in a in kind of a rose-colored glasses um, you know, when they get there, the Marines are having fun and they're wakeboarding or skiing or whatever they are off a helicopter and they're playing jokes on each other and they're all just like, ha ha, we're in Vietnam, they are fighting a war, you know, insert the Predator meme where Arnold Schwarzenegger's doing the, like, the, the huh, muscle yeah. grab. <laughs> um, we're bros, you know. Um, but I had just now rethought of it and, um, it's a little can't be how much they do that in the beginning but sam mows down a bunch of people with a gun in that episode that's true 
when he's trying to prevent, I don't remember the specific scenario, but he's trying to prevent like his team from being ambushed. Oh yeah, it's because he had just discovered there's a traitor and he knew they were being ambushed. Or he knew they were being watched. Yeah. Like he knew that the enemy knew they were on their way. So he had to stop from, from being ambushed. And he, he comes up like on the backside of like five to ten people and just like mows them all down. I do wish we had seen it affect him more. <laughs> like like it's it's something he had to do or otherwise everyone dies. Yeah. So you know, them or us, it's war. No one likes it, obviously. I'm not saying it's good. Um but you know, I'm gonna protect myself over someone else and that's what he did, right? And yeah. then but I don't know, I think we could have seen it affect him more. Well and the, and that's the thing, like even nowadays when there's a lot of um, unmanned missions, like drones and stuff. Mm-hmm. Even the drone operators have PTSD. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it, they're not a drone killing another drone, right? There's yeah, lives they're killing people. Yeah, and sometimes I, I've had people tell me when they're you know in the middle of a war and something breaks out, you do what you can to defend, but there's innocent people that are going to die too. You know, just bystanders who happened to be there when you fell under attack. You actually just reminded me of another scene. There are bystanders. I don't think they get killed. Yeah. But early on in the episode, there's a um a, a, a guy on a, a boat, you know, the boat that you push with the sticks through the shallow water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his face is all, like, messed up from napalm. Yeah. So I think I'm mistaken when I said they don't show the 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 heavy they don't show the horrors of Nam. I think they are. Um, I had missed it. Maybe it's desensitization or something. Um, but it, it was also prime time basic cable. So there's only so much that they kind of can show. Even though yeah, that's true. During the Vietnam War, they televised just about everything they could televise. Yeah. And it was traumatic for the people watching. So there, that could than, be part of it. Yeah, worse than television too, because it was real. Yeah, exactly. And then connecting this point and my last point, Maggie dying, um, that was a pretty brutal way to go. That that was stepping on a landmine. Yeah. I mean that that's that's a horror of war, right? Like, so uh, yeah, I actually recount my note. I said they don't touch on the horrors of war, but I think they definitely did. Now that I think about it, <laughs> they they do and. Like I said, they, they did dial it back a little bit. Um, I mean, I've never personally been in a war, but I've heard stories, and this is... You've just like, been in Cold War zones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, now that you bring that up, I spent a month on the DMZ. Mm-hmm. They still play propaganda over the loudspeakers. Like it does anything to anyone. Yeah, like someone's I'm, gonna be walking by and be like, "Wow, I think the other side's right." <laughs> <laughs> and well, I mean, the thing is, it was—I don't know what they were saying mm-hmm. because it was all in you know Korean, and even the Korean that I did know. Well, North Korea and South Korea have been separated for so long. Different dialects. Their dialects change, so. And I'm sure if you're a local, you can understand either just fine. But if you only know yeah, a few, sure. if you only know a few things, you wouldn't be able to pick up on a dialect you've never heard. Yeah, and I was like, what are they saying? And my friend was like, I don't know, just go to sleep. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, but yeah, Cold War Zone, no fighting. You told me you used to play around with laser pointers, even though you weren't supposed to. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah, okay. Since we're on this, yeah. this was back when I was on the DMZ, I had the night shift. So I would work from... That demilitarized zone? Yeah. Okay. So, and it was like, it was a little camp and we were doing like training lanes there. So I, I had a night shift. I worked in the, like, um, the operations center and I just kind of did security checks with the guards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, my friend was one of the security guards. So I got off at midnight. I'd go take a shower and then I'd go back and go to sleep till like six in the morning. So I'm, <laughs> I'm walking back from the bathrooms and I see a red light. I'm exhausted. The first thing in my mind is, holy shit, someone's sniping me. I hit the dirt, and then all of a sudden, I hear my buddy laughing. That's fucked up. <laughs> but in a way, I actually think that kind of shows, like, they're just water skiing in this episode, right? They're in a war zone, yeah. they're water skiing. Yet your, your war zone's not active, but they're still fucking around. Yeah. Keep well, your, then- you gotta keep your sanity. Yeah, and that's the thing we've seen. We saw it in a uh, Captain America as well. They're in the middle of a war, like World War Two, and mm-hmm. they're at a pub, drinking, having fun. It's like that brief you when you get those brief moments to enjoy yourself in such you a take horrible state. You got to take them. Um, one of the things I did not like about this episode is I feel like. I can't remember her name, but the uh, the Vietnamese lady who was supposed to be a defector helping the U.S. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember her name either. She was she was the traitor. She was the one giving everyone information. I don't know much about Vietnam. I'm too young to have been there, obviously. I wasn't even alive yet. But I kind of feel like it's just a little bit of a plot hole that they're in Vietnam, in the Vietnam War, and they have a, a Vietnamese quote-unquote traitor who's helping them and they just trust her blindly there's no scrutiny with what she's doing they give her access to all the communication equipment and even when like missions are like failing because somebody found out intel they don't even suspect her and i feel like that's kind of a weird like like they appear to be a good team they're seals they're not just the 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 first um first line people right they're seals yeah they're like the best of the best i feel like that was a really weak really weak like problem like the writers maybe don't know anything about war (laughs) yeah and and that's the thing because um we we had katusas which are korean soldiers that they're basically attached to the u.s army Mm -hmm. and yeah we don't we work with them, we trust them, but there were certain things... Do you leave the U.S. government equipment in a room with them alone and just yeah. trust them to not ever do anything? <laughs> yeah, there there were certain, like, things I know that they didn't have access to, like, um... I had one t- detail one time where I just basically had to sit with this guy. I don't remember what it was exactly, but he had to do something with the computer servers at a certain time every night. 
but he needed um, someone from the U.S. Army to access the room so he could do what he needed to do because he technically wasn't supposed to be using our equipment. Mm-hmm. I, I it was during one of uh, one of our missions where we were doing like war games, mm-hmm. and he had to go and like put in like codes in the computer or whatever for everything to keep working right, yeah. but or backups and things like that. So now granted that's 30 years later. So maybe, exactly. maybe they just didn't care back then. It just seems like when you're fighting in someone else's country, how can you blindly trust people from that country to be on your side? There should be scrutiny. Not that you can't trust them, but to not have any scrutiny. But well, it's also like, it's not like we're over in France fighting against, um, I don't know, Poland. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we're going to trust the French people because we're helping them. But the Polish are, you know, they're the bad guy. Yeah. We're not going to blindly trust them even yeah. if they're saying they're defecting. You, you, it's kind of like that. Yeah. But in Vietnam, they're all Vietnamese. Yeah. Who's And really, who is the good guy and who's the bad guy? Yeah, it, it was, it I, was, I think that's a question that no one has an answer to. Actually, I think most people say we're the bad guys, but I, I think we were the bad guys. We had no business. I don't but, know okay. enough about it. I don't. <laughs> I don't know the political things, but I just know it was a terrible time. It, it was, and that vets were basically not treated correctly when they got back either. No, they weren't. Um, they weren't, and like I don't blame the soldiers at all. They were doing what they were trained to and told to do. And yeah, I think we should help people who ask us for their yeah. for help. There you go. I don't think we should go in Consent. and dominate. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I think Vietnam was just kind of one of those things. Um I don't think we had a right to step in and be like, okay, this is how we're gonna do things. You know, it basically wasn't kind of like their civil civil war almost. I, I think so, but like in I North said, I don't yeah. I, I don't want to pretend that I know I mean I don't want to Anything. I don't want to call it a civil war, but I mean, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't like another country coming in and trying to completely obliterate it. It was between it was the north internal. and the south. Yep. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, we just kind of went in and dominated and been like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Um, I actually skipped over one of my notes. Um, and it's actually one that I would have rather liked to talk about. So I'm going to go back to it. Okay. The whole, like, the thing that Sam is there to do, it wasn't necessarily going to conflict with, but then it does conflict with saving a couple prisoners of war, right? Mm-hmm. This whole time, Al knows that prisoner of war is him, right? Or does he exactly. not know until later? I mean, he has to know it's him. Um, because he has. How would he not know who rescued him? I don't think they did rescue him. But no, okay, in the end so, of the episode, he says, don't worry about it. Someone else will come by to rescue me in a few years. Probably. But I don't think... No, but I don't think... Um, I think if they had found him, like, they would have rescued him earlier than he was originally rescued. Yeah. So he already knew when the original rescue... I see. He knew it was going to happen. I understand that now. Okay. Yeah, so... But I don't think he maybe particularly knew that he was going to be right there at that particular time and date. Because... I don't think he even had, back in the day, I don't think he had a concept of what time or date it That's was. That's probably true, right? Yeah. 
So. But at some point, he does know that's going to be him. Exactly. Because he does mention it at the end. And he allows Sam to not allow him to be rescued earlier. Yeah. Which could have completely altered his I think he said, entire life. I think he said two years. He yeah. said someone will come by in two years and rescue me. Yeah, so that might have been his original date was yeah. that two years from now. That makes sense now that you say it. Now I understand it. Um, going back to the would you change anything uh, from the last episode, right? I can't imagine anybody wouldn't change that. Two years under prisoner of war conditions in Vietnam? Holy crap. And they were brutal. Yeah. I mean, anyone who's watched Cobra Kai will kind of see a little bit of the brutality that could have happened in, in Vietnam, or anyone who actually just knows about Vietnam more. But um, for me, who doesn't, I get it from fiction. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously stories from, from people who were there, like Mr. Nichols, astronomy teacher. <laughs> Good guy. Yeah, he had funny stories. Yeah, he did. It, <laughs> Going off rails, it was always fun to try and see. And he knew we would do it, too. It's just if we did good enough, he would reward us by goading him into telling stories instead of doing classwork. So, but... I remember that. And he told the best stories. And now that I'm thinking about this now, what an actual great teaching tool. You have... He had students asking him about history in a science class, nonetheless, but still. Yeah. <laughs> like an advanced science yeah. class. So like usually if you're in that kind of a class, you're, you're not a history buff. Yeah, but, but he got the students to ask questions. He wasn't rewarding us by letting us not do classwork. He was just teaching us important history. Holy crap. Mr. Nichols, yeah. you're a fucking genius. <laughs> You know, Mr. Mr. Jones, and they were they were friends. Yeah, it was it was him, Mr. Jones. There was another one who had also been to Vietnam, and they were just like buddies. But Mr. Jones would always tell stories, and that's part of the reason I joined the military. He would tell all these stories about all his travels and everything. And he, he saw me after I'd graduated, and he's like, "Why the hell did you join the army?" I'm like, "Well, you told all these stories. I thought I'd give it a shot." <laughs> Wow, I just, I see Mr. Nichols in a whole different way now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, that's all, all the notes I had prepared. I don't know if you have anything else to say about episode two. Yeah, I, I did want to talk about um, that whole thing where... Uh, Al kind of realizes he could have been saved earlier and... Mm -hmm. He even told Sam he was already, what's the word he used? Free? Yeah. Rescued? Yeah. No, he yeah. said free in his mind. He said free in his mind. So, and I, I think part of the reason he was kind of okay with letting that slide, he'd already been through it. Yeah. It's not like he was going to experience it again. He'd already been through that hell. He know He knows now he's going to get rescued. And he knows how important it is for uh, Sam to save his brother. Yeah. So I, I think that was a big part of it. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And also, you know, Al being a very intelligent person would probably also know the other implications. Like, would he even meet Sam or be part of the Quantum Leap Project? Exactly. If he changes his history by two years, is a pretty significant amount of time. It, it is. It's, um, and he probably went through so much hell do in we, that two years' time. Do we see anything about this time period ever again in the show? I'm trying to recall. Vietnam is touched on a lot. I don't don't recall if there's another episode actually in Vietnam. Or what about it. um it's or what about, about a lot. what about Al's Al's history? Like Yes, we do see more with Al's good. history. Um there's there's actually an episode where Sam leaps into Al as a younger man. Oh interesting. Yeah, it's a very good episode. Is it and then Do you know if it's pre nom or post nom? I want to say pre because he is he is not married Beth. Okay. And Beth is yeah, Beth is the love is the love of his life. The other episode that really deals with him was um MIA. We get a lot of his history there with his first wife and kind of what happened to him in Vietnam and things like that. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing some of those episodes. Um some of my my greatest moments that I am encountering um, as I rewatch this, is the moments between the relationship of Sam and Elle. That, that's one of the my favorite parts about this show. Well, as much as yeah, as much as it's a sci-fi show, it's got a sci-fi premise, but the show does not have much sci-fi. The show yeah. is all about the characters, and seeing those characters interact is uh, and grow, and. Um, and empathize and all that stuff with one another. I mean, I think that's what gives the show its driving force. Yeah, Just because, I mean, these are the only two characters we ever really see that are consistent from week to week. Yeah, yeah. And um, I would like to point out that I have finally stopped saying Sam and Dean. <laughs> <laughs> It just kept coming out, Sam Beckett and Dean Stockwell, Sam and Dean, or, you know, the Winchester Brothers, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, if anybody wanted to go back and make a drinking game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take a shot. How many time times does Sam Andrew Dean. Uh, miss say the names of the characters of this show that he's talking about <laughs> in a podcast? <laughs> well, um, on that note, unless you have anything else, Christina. No, I think I'm good on these two episodes. Oh, I do want to mention one thing. It's uh, Patrick Warburton was in this episode. He, he was? Yes, he was. Where? And he was one of the soldiers. He's the one that's doing the push-ups with the girls on his back. Oh, my God. Okay, I'll have to go watch that again and, <laughs> and look at that. Like, as a kid, it didn't matter much to me. But um, when I watched it later as a young adult, um, you know, I'd already, I'd watched Emperor's New Groove. I'd uh -huh. watch, you know, some movies and TV shows with him. Been and on Soaring Over that, California. It, it's Soaring Over California. <laughs> nice you know, he's got, that, <laughs> he's got that distinctive voice. Yeah. And as soon as I saw him on my screen, I was like, holy shit, it's Kronk. <laughs> that's great. You know, Kronk kind of looks like Patrick Warburton, too. Was that intentional? It does. 
It probably was. Probably. All right. Well, on that note, I think we can wrap this episode up. Thanks for joining us. We do have a uh, question, if you're watching this on Anchor, uh, that we would like you guys to get involved with. What moments in your life would you alter? If you could jump back with your adult knowledge into your younger self, uh, what would you change? Um, pick an age. Pick a, pick. Don't pick an age. Just choose from random. And Or would you? Maybe Maybe you wouldn't change anything. I'm in the school of thought. I wouldn't change anything. What about you, Christina? That's kind of where I'm at. I don't, I think I might, like Sam did, I might enjoy certain things more mm-hmm. and appreciate them, but I don't think I would change them because I don't feel I would be the person I am today if I did. I mean, how many people have we lost in the last couple of years just in our family that we could just see again? Yeah, exactly. I think that's, um, I think that's the takeaway, just like it was um, Al's takeaway when he um, metaphorically slapped Al across the face <laughs> with yeah. the, uh, it is unfair. Um, yeah. Or it's very fair, is what yeah. he says. Um, I say it's unfair to everybody but Sam. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us, and have a good week. I'll catch you next one. Bye. So what are your thoughts? Send us a message on Anchor, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at PQL Podcast. Links will be provided in the show notes. Also, don't forget to show us some love, follow and subscribe, and don't forget to leave a rating in your favorite podcast app.